Cocaine seems to be a breeze right now. Nobody was carrying naloxone kits around because of cocaine. Can it still be a horrible drug? Yes. Yes, it can. Can it still take lives? Yes, it can. Can it be turned into different forms and taken and ingested and inhaled in more dangerous ways? Absolutely. So this is not to diminish any other drug, but it is to understand more about a drug that we haven't heard about for very long. Fentanyl. And what exactly is car fentanyl? And why is that something that people bring up all the time? Joining us right now to give us a better understanding of this is Dr. Andy Hathaway, who is an associate professor in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at the University of Guelph. Dr. Hathaway, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. My pleasure, Mike. So fentanyl. This is something that, yes, we've heard about, and it just gets added into the opiates. It gets added into any kind of illicit drug, but maybe we don't really have a handle on this. Does fentanyl come from any of the other drugs that we have known? Well, I think your your lead-in was, was bang on, Mike, in terms of it uh, kind of coming out of uh, the blue, so to speak, and uh, being within the class of opiate substances, and yet something far more powerful. Uh, it's an extremely powerful opiate. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that's typically uh, diverted from medical use, as, as most people are probably aware, uh, often used um, you know, with, a, with a patch, right? And, and typically for people with very severe chronic pain, cancer patients, for example, um, and one of the things uh, worth noting is typically you don't get put on fentanyl unless you're tolerant to uh, other opiates. So it's uh, that is something worth bearing in mind if it's something that you're considering recreationally. Um, by most accounts I've heard, that is something that would be considered very unwise because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble with a very small amount of it. Um, as, uh, you know, I, I'm not a medical professional. I'm a sociologist. Most of my experience comes from hearing the experiences of others. And um, I'm certainly not an alarmist when it comes to talking about drugs. I typically take a, you know, a harm reduction approach. It's better to give people accurate information than engage in scare tactics. But this is one of those drugs where, uh, by the sounds of it, you've been hearing from folks, it's um, something that people are very wary of, that the cautionary tales are extensive, um, and, and for good reasons by the sounds of it. Um, reminds me a little bit of when people who use cocaine, to use, to, to use that example, talk about um, methamphetamine, for example. It's, it's in another level, and uh, fentanyl, I think, is like that in the class of opiates. Uh, the accounts I've uh, heard are that people often run into a lot of trouble unexpectedly, not realizing just what a powerful drug it is. And you mentioned carfentanil. My understanding of that is it's um, like fentanyl, just about 100 times stronger. So so that that concern amplified because it takes even less of it to uh, to administer a, uh, a lethal dose. And that's scary. And especially when we hear stories of fentanyl being used to cut other drugs and you don't know when something might contain fentanyl. I told the story of my daughter unpacking her stuff and she had a naloxone kit. And I asked, what do you, what, do you have a naloxone kit? She says, yeah, dad, you never know. 
You never know when somebody might ingest something, might take something that they think was something else, but it was laced with fentanyl, and she carried that around with her. Dr. Andy Hathaway is with us, associate professor in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at the University of Guelph. Dr. Hathaway, when a drug makes its way into society, you mentioned methamphetamine. That was certainly uh, an issue. I'm, I'm thinking if I have my dates right, going back into the 90s, maybe the late 80s. Now we've got something like fentanyl. When something like this comes in, do these things ever leave or are these drugs kind of here and somebody gets a hold of it and realizes there's a market for this and, and they can cash in? Is, is that what we see? Yeah, I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle when you've got ever more refined and hence concentrated forms of opiate drugs. I mean, that that happened when we, you know, made the transition over the centuries and decades from, uh, you know, morphine to uh, to heroin and now to what we're seeing as even more concentrated forms of, of opiates. Um, like I said, people typically don't use fentanyl unless um, they are tolerant to these other more diluted uh, forms of opiate drug. So it's just, it's that much more concentrated, um, leaving that much more room for error uh, in terms of what would be uh, a non-lethal dose, which of course, when we're talking about recreational drug use, what what makes it recreational is it's well, well on the safe side of, of lethal um, and you know, when if if somebody's considering using it for recreational, they're probably a bit of a, a thrill seeker, and probably have not um, paid uh, enough heed to to the kind of warnings that are out there, and they're maybe looking for, for the next rush, right? The uh, you know, I, I want to try the world's strongest painkiller and see see what kind of a kick I can get from that. Um, you know, the accounts that I've I'm familiar with. Uh, are that uh, there is there is the potential for euphoria that may, may come, but for the most part, it is something that is uh, it, it it kills pain, right? It's a very very effective painkiller. Now that's not something that's typically associated with a rush per se or a euphoric effect. It's just you, you would not feel pain, whether that be physical or mental, of course, which is typically the reason anybody would be considering using an opiate drug. Um, uh, street-involved people, people with very uh, difficult life circumstances. Um, and, yeah, I suppose you can build up a tolerance, a tolerance to opiate drugs in which you would become, could become a regular fentanyl user. But, um, I mean, the main concern, of course, is for folks who, who don't realize just what they're getting into in terms of um, its, its level of potency and the potential for a, for a very serious adverse effect. Dr. Andy Hathaway joining us from the University of Guelph as we talk about fentanyl. But we're at an interesting time. We have seen the legalization of cannabis. We are now looking at what psilocybin might be, and there's a movement maybe to make use of that to a greater degree. Some people will say we need to do with psilocybin what we've done with cannabis. And then we've got other drugs like the opiates. When it comes to making policy about drugs – what kind of road are we on right now, Dr. Hathaway? Uh, well, I'd say that uh, the consideration of legalizing psilocybin, like we have with cannabis, uh, puts us very much on a, a public health path. And, and that means 
recognizing that prohibition, um, you know, trying to arrest away the problem in, in prison, people who are using drugs, has uh, not only been ineffective, it's in fact been counterproductive. In, in fact, that that very pattern has led to the more concentrated forms and, and the dangers around drug use, uh, the, the, the forms of administration, such as intravenous use and things like that. Um, you know, the black market side of it, um, the outlawing of the substance has in fact led to some of these, uh, you know, more dangerous forms of use and more uh, dangerous forms of substances. Uh, you know, the the very reason that, that many substances uh, became more concentrated was because they could be more easily transported, right, um, across borders and, and things like that. So uh, public health approach is suggesting, well, we need to to get off that ride, um, it's 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 caused uh, we've come no closer um, to uh, you know uh, ending ending the uh, the drug problem by trying to uh, criminalize the user um, by 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 prohibiting these substances. Uh, therefore, we need to adopt a different approach. Um, those who are struggling with addiction need to be treated as people with medical problems. And that's a very different approach from throwing them in prison and all, you know, re-diverting re the resources that would otherwise go into the criminal justice system into a public health approach, which means education, which means providing services for people, which means, uh, you know, right down to uh, providing job opportunities and educational opportunities, a reason for people to want to um, do something with their lives other than um, go down the rabbit hole of addiction. Uh, that That's the direction we're going currently, I would say, under this government. Um, different governments have different priorities. Uh, conservative governments tend not to favor public health approaches. They tend to be more of a, a law and order approach, right? I'm, I'm talking at the federal level now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that has been where... Uh, things have been going. Um, but, you know, the pendulum can swing back the other way. Uh, I'd like to think there's there's enough knowledge out there now. People are well informed enough to know that the war on drugs has been an abject failure to keep going down this road. And that means getting useful information out there. And if part of that information is, uh, you know, uh, trying mushrooms, trying cannabis, Maybe even a little cocaine is is something that um, you know is is within the realm of possibility as a recreational pursuit. But this stuff is something you might want to stay away from. This uh, you know this fentanyl, and and, and this is something that uh, uh, you know the cautionary tale then takes on a lot more meaning because it's being put within a context of which people can trust the message. And when we're telling everybody all drugs are bad, of course, that's a message that um, tends to go nowhere because people don't believe it. Um, so, you know, accurate education, um, a proper response by way of services, um, that's that's the way that drug policy has been going. And uh, folks like me would like to see it continue going that way. Dr. Hathaway, we appreciate your expertise today. Thank you so much for giving us the education you have. My pleasure, Mike. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Dr. Andy Hathaway from the University of Guelph. So really interesting to think about this. As Dr. Hathaway says, the war on drugs, failure. True. Because you can't tell everybody that 
drugs are bad and all drugs are bad because, as he says, they're not going to believe it. It is a message that we try with young people for sure. And I don't necessarily think there's a problem with continuing to tell them that. But at the same time, you've got to be realistic. You've got to be realistic. You've got to be able to say you're going to be in a situation where you're going to see this and you're going to see this and you're going to see this. And you've got to be ready. You've got to know what to do. You've got to know what this can do if you choose to make use of this drug. You've got to have those conversations. But the other part of what Dr. Hathaway just mentioned in terms of policy I think is fascinating. I want to touch on it a little bit because we have the tug of war of different changes in the way our governments work largely, and this is a historical thing, sure, but largely because we tire of certain parties in power. Right now, we're tired of the liberals. So does that mean the conservatives are coming again? Maybe. We'll see in the next federal election, but the polls certainly indicate that. But then the approach changes. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.